Welcome to the Young Baptist Podcast, a podcast committed to the centrality of the gospel and to encouraging believers to be captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. My name is Clay, and I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Johnson. Josh, how's it going, man? Doing well, Clay. Did you have a good day today? I had a great day. It was busy. It was complicated. It was uncertain. A lot of changes, a lot of um, moving on the fly. Yeah making quick decisions, but it's the kind of day that when you get to the end, you look back at work and you said, you know, I was needed there Yeah, and I did my job. And that's, sometimes that's good enough. For sure. Yeah. So, how was your day? It also makes you thankful to be able to call it a night and go home. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> how was your day, Josh? My day was good. I got a lot done for the next couple of weeks. Uh, just some outreach stuff and everything. So good, productive day. Josh, you texted me last night and told me, that this young Baptist community had already begun. I did. Yes. We already have. We our very first ever donor. Yep. The first entry into the young Baptist community. I'm super excited about this. Uh, we told you about it last episode. You can become a part of the young Baptist community by pledging at least $5 a month or a one-time gift of $60 or more. And you'll get a monthly email with all kinds of updates about what we're doing. Uh, we're going to put multiple things in that email, but primarily we want to just keep you ahead of the game mm -hmm. on everything Young Baptist Podcast. Josh and I will probably put some of our own thoughts, some stuff about what we're reading at the moment, maybe some devotionals. We've talked about some different things, but we're also looking forward to hearing back from that community yep. through that forum. Uh, and in addition to that, we're going to do an Ask Me Anything episode every single month that's exclusive to the Young Baptist community that is part of our $5 a month plus donors. And so thank you uh, for considering that. We hope that you, if you've enjoyed the podcast ministry that we've had here, that you would consider being a part of that community. And a live update. Now we have an additional sponsor. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. This isn't like a this Caleb. Is, this is not this is not a Caleb <laughs> thing. Like I'm pulling it up right now as we speak. That's awesome. Holy cow. Yeah, we've got two uh two sponsors. One of them was a one-time donation and the other one is a uh a monthly subscription. So shout out to that person. You will remain nameless on the air. <laughs> uh thank you so much. We're we're excited and uh, looking forward to sharing this content with you guys in the future. Yeah, Josh, I'm excited about getting this group together primarily because they're going to be some of the most committed listeners we have. And also because I'm kind of excited to get to know those people a little better. Yeah, absolutely. You know, see who these people are that listen to us every single week, get to talk to them um, back and forth a little bit. I'm, it's going to be it's going to be a blast. Well, Josh, today I am fired up about our topic. We are starting our series on the primary Christian doctrines, the things that support our faith. Yep. And we decided to start with bibliology, which is the study of the Bible. Because from the Bible, we know everything we know about God. That's right. And so we're fired up about starting this today. And so we're going to talk about that today. Well, first of all, we're going to talk about what is bibliology? What is the study of the Bible? So that you can understand what this means. And then we're going to talk about why it's important. Why does it matter? Uh, and why are we talking about it? Yep. So, and then at the end, we'll give you a little preview of next episode. So we're fired up about that. You ready to get started, Josh? Let's do it. First, what is bibliology? Well, uh, like you said, it's the study of the Bible. And I think it's important to mention here at the front end that um, 
we need, if we're going to have a good grasp on theology as a whole, we have to know where it comes from. And that's why we're starting with the Bible. Because if we, we're not just making this stuff up out of thin air. We're, we have a, a source that we are going to. Yeah. If you've ever heard the word epistemology, all that, all that big word epistemology means is how do you know what you know? Mm-hmm. And for the Christian, we know what we know because the word of God tells us so. But then the, net, the natural next question to that is, but how do you know that the word of God is in fact God's word? And we could break down bibliology into a series of doctrines, mm-hmm. which we're going to do today. Yep. Eight particular doctrines that when you put them together and study them one at a time, it builds this sort of concentric circle that when you understand them all, it builds the foundation for why the Bible is in fact God's word. Yeah, absolutely, Clay. Uh, without that, without a reliable source, without the Bible, we, I mean, we should just pack it up. We don't have a faith, yeah. Yeah, just go home. So, uh, Clay, let's go ahead and let's give a quick overview of these different categories, the, the, the breakdown, if you will, of the, I'm not, I'm sorry, not the breakdown, the rundown, <laughs> the rundown of uh, the doctrines of, of bibliology. Um, you've got, here's what we're going to discuss when we talk about what it is. Revelation, inspiration, canonization, preservation, translation, illumination, interpretation, and sufficiency. And man, I really wish we had a ION word there for sufficiency. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, man. Everything, it's a bunch of Asians. We were so Baptist and then we became <laughs> unbaptist. Like, that's like one vote for our non denomination <laughs> status or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, Asian is so strong. And it then is. we end with NC. Yeah. Like, come on, really? <laughs> But that's actually my favorite one at the end. Let's it get is. started on this, yeah, Josh. Let's go. Number one, revelation. What is revelation? It's God revealing to man what was previously unknown and otherwise unknowable. And really, Clay, and I, I don't know how you've heard this taught, but I've always heard this broken down into two specific uh, types, if you will, of revelation, general revelation and special revelation. General being God revealing himself to mankind through the means of nature, uh, through conscience. And you can read about that more. Rev- Romans 1, 18 through 21 would, is a great passage to look at when we talk about uh, God revealing himself through nature. And then in con- through conscience in Romans 2, uh, 14 through 16, those are great. And then uh, we have special revelation, which is God revealing information about himself to mankind in specific and special ways. And this would really include a number of things, Clay, but more specifically uh, for us tonight, the most significant being, first of all, Jesus Christ, and then secondly, the scriptures. So that's Revelation, God revealing to man what was previously unknown and otherwise unknowable. Yeah, Revelation, some religions out there believe in general Revelation, Mm -hmm. but they don't believe in special Revelation. They don't take the scripture very seriously. So a proper understanding of what we believe about revelation is crucial to believing the Bible to be God's word. Uh, you, if you're listening, you may have heard this referred to in other places as common grace versus special grace. Some people refer to it that in that way. Common grace is just like what he was saying about general revelation. It's, it's that which is common. Doctors have truth about the world and about 
our bodies and about science and, and about nature around us. Um, and that it doesn't require fellowship with God to have access to that truth because that's common grace or general revelation. But that special revelation or special grace is truth you can only know through a relationship with God uh, and, and through the scripture or through a saving knowledge of Christ. Which brings us to the next doctrine, which is inspiration. Josh, what does inspiration mean? Uh, inspiration is, we, we get the, the word inspired there in 2 Timothy 3 from the Greek word theos nuptos. That was hard to say for some reason. And it literally <laughs> means God breathed. So when we say inspiration, we, we are saying that as God revealed himself to mankind, some of that special revelation was written down in scripture through the process of inspiration. Um, and uh, 2 Peter one twenty one is a great, great verse for this. 2 Peter one twenty one says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So inspiration is that process of the holy men of God speaking as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Uh, I've always heard this explained as like as the wind catches the sail of a boat and pushes it along, so too the Holy Spirit um, moved the writers of the scriptures to write down what they did. And it's not like this, it was this robotic robotic thing, Clay, because we see the personalities of all of the different writers yeah. and the different styles and everything as they wrote down what they did. But where they got their message from was from God, the Holy Spirit. It was God breathed. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's what it means to, for inspiration. If you think about inspiration, it makes a lot of sense. If God wanted us to follow his will, if you believe in God at all, then you it logically flows that God would give us some way to know what his will is for us. And inspiration covers this. It says that scripture and scripture itself claims to be the word of God. Mm -hmm. So it follows that if God wanted us to follow his will, that he would in some way communicate that to us. And Christianity accepts and affirms that the Bible is in fact the inspired word of God. Or as you said, as that word literally means it's God breathed. Yeah. And I think with that, we, we see that belief is that the Bible is inerrant and infallible, meaning it's completely true and mm. it's incapable of being wrong. Because if it is in fact God breathed, it can be nothing short of truth and it is impossible for it to be wrong. Even so, when the Bible would record something, okay, you don't freak out when I say it. Even when the Bible records something that's false, like someone lying, we know that is truth that that person Lied. Lied, yeah. you know? So even in those things, the Bible is completely 100% truth. Which brings us to the third doctrine within bibliology, the third topic that you would need to know about, and that is canonization. Yep, Canoniz canonization, it's the standard by which the scriptures are determined to be an authority. We see Jesus doing this in Luke 24, where he references the law, the prophets, and the Psalms as he was uh, speaking Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2.13 tells the Thessalonian believers that they um, received the word, his word from them as it was in fact the word of God. In 2 Peter, Peter is saying that the words of the apostles, 2 Peter 3.1, 1, 1 and 2, the words of the apostles and the prophets, he, he kind of bunches them together there. And then at the end of that chapter, he references Paul's writings 
and he it, that's the classic verse you you probably remember it the the unlearned and unstable tried to rest the words of paul mm-hmm. and he says as they do the other scriptures so he's kind of com, com, equating putting that, them yeah. together yeah mm-hmm. but that process clay uh that was an interesting process. Canonization is something I'd actually like to study a little more yeah, and too. see how all that kind of came together. They asked several questions of a book uh, before it was accepted into the canon. It wasn't just like a willy-nilly thing. Some homie walked up and said, I wrote a book of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, how do you, canonization is is how do we answer, how Christianity in the early church answered the question, which, which books, because we know the Bible is not actually just a book. It's a library of books. Yes. And so the question is, how did they decide what was scripture and what was not? And as you mentioned, scripture is consistent with itself mm-hmm. and scripture cross-references itself thousands of thousands of times. And matter of fact, I seen a graphic. I don't know if you've seen it that shows yeah. all of the cross-references of scripture. Matter of fact, I think I might post this on the podcast social media if I can find that graphic uh, when we air this episode because I just love that graphic because it shows the consistency that scripture speaks with. It speaks in a way with one voice. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, the the individuals in scripture quoting scripture, Paul tells Timothy, you've known the holy scriptures which were able to make thee wise unto salvation. So even in Paul's day, he was referring to a cohesive set of scriptures that they accepted as the word of God. Jesus, it even says about Jesus on the road to Emmaus that he, he expounded to his disciples, the old Testament scriptures. And it says he basically expounded to them all things concerning himself. Yeah. From showing how it was all one story and how scripture had spoken with one voice uh, in a way, because even though they were all different men, how could they speak with one voice? They were speaking and they were writing and they were recording um, with, uh, you know, we talked about inspiration. They did it and it was from God, but that's how you know which books belong and which ones don't, because they speak with that one voice, uh, and they were authorized, if you will, by Jesus himself and by the apostles. Yep. That was one of the main questions they asked. Does it agree with the rest of scripture? They would also consider the authorship. Was it a prophet, a leader in Israel, an apostle, someone close to an apostle? And then even as you said, does it claim to be inspired scripture? These are all key questions that they asked in the process of canonization. And just for some other little fun tips before we move on, I believe it was the Council of Carthage around 400 AD when it was the canon was essentially affirmed. That was like it. Boom, yeah. no and, more. And by the way, for anybody that's wondering, the consistency and the speaking with one voice is why the Apocrypha was rejected mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't have the authoritative sources of Holy Scripture. And it is not consistent with the rest of scripture. Now they did include it in the uh, original King James and the Catholic church affirmed it as scripture. Uh, And apparently based upon my study before this episode, it was actually largely debated during the reformation. Yeah. And I didn't know that until just recently. Yeah. The Catholic church affirmed it, but almost, but basically nobody else Mm -hmm. affirmed the Apocrypha. So it was, it was rejected, uh, but there for a few times in a couple translations later on. So, yep, that's canonization. Which brings us to the fourth doctrine, preservation. Preservation, Clay, Psalm 119, 89. It says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Preservation, Clay, is the promise of God to preserve his word throughout history. Um, uh, Matthew 5 is Jesus saying that um, the law wouldn't pass away till all was fulfilled. Yes. It began at the first autograph of scripture, the first writing, the very first copy ever made. 
and it's continued. Now, we don't have the autographs today. They were the very first ones. By autographs, you mean the original copy? The copies. very original copy, the one that when Isaiah sat down and started to, you know, write down his the Holy Spirit inspired words, we don't have that anymore. What we have are manuscripts. These were handwritten for centuries. And a way to think of a manuscript is a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, yep. copy of copy until you get to, you know, where we are today. And these were highly deteriorating. Yeah. I should say quickly deteriorating substances that they were writing on that had to be copied over and over and over again to preserve them. Mm -hmm. And because, because everything was handwritten, it, there was the possibility for uh, variance in the different manuscripts. Yeah. Small um, mistakes to be made, scribal errors, things yeah, like that. Things like someone may have thought it should have said this word, so they right. just changed it, or they accidentally smudged something. You yeah, know, they, there's either, the potential for that. <laughs> they yeah. either made a mistake or they thought they were fixing a mistake. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you handwrite a the same document over and over and over again throughout history, you're going to, there's that possibility. It's just going to happen. But that doesn't change the fact that God has continued to preserve his word. So did he? Did he preserve his word? Yes, he absolutely did. And we can see that by com comparing these manuscripts that we have available to us today. Josh, there are thousands and thousands of manuscripts. It's overwhelming how there many manuscripts no there are. There is no other historic document that has the kind of manuscript evidence that the scriptures have. And that in itself is a testament to God's promise to preserve his word. There is no other historic document that even comes with, it's not, there's nothing else even in the atmosphere of the scripture. And that's amazing in, in a real way, especially in the New Testament times in the early church, persecution was making this even more prevalent. Think about it. As Christians were spreading out all over the known world, everybody wanted a copy of the Bible. Mm -hmm. When Paul wrote a letter, everybody wanted a copy of it. So businessmen would come through who were, who were very finite or very literate. They would make their own copy because they wanted one. They were making them over and over and over again to send out to the other churches. They, everybody wanted a copy. And because of that, one ruler couldn't destroy God's word. Mm -hmm. It was impossible for one guy in one place to destroy God's word. And even when mistakes were made, the prevalence of so many copies meant that in the future, we could bring these, these yeah. various manuscripts together and compare them and see the small variants, the small mistakes, the scribal errors. Even if some weirdo wanted to take the Bible and try to pervert it on his own and try to create his own religion, we'd see that. Right. right for what it was immediately. And so the riches uh, at our disposal of manuscript evidence for the word of God is just astounding. But that's, the, what, that's what preservation means. And it's a miracle. It really is what has been preserved to us in this age. So when you think about preservation, this is something to be grateful to God for because what, what happened is truly amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it's a promise of God, so you can bank on it. I mean, they were, Josh, I've read stories of them digging manuscripts out of like holes in the desert mm. where persecuted Christians were hiding their copies of the word of God. And then decades and hundreds of years later, we're digging them out of the sand in the middle East. Like that it's an amazing, uh, treasure of, of evidence. Yep. And that's God honoring his word to say, it'll not, it'll never pass away. That's My right. word will always be here. And think about this, Josh. Now it's literally on everybody's device. How many copies mm -hmm. of the word of God now are literally everywhere due to digital proliferation. It is impossible for somebody to actually destroy God's word. Which leads us into number five, which is translation. The original scriptures were recorded in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And so in order for them to be understood, the manuscripts had to be translated into the language of the reader. 
And it's important to note here, uh, without getting into the weeds, translation is to be based every single time upon the original languages. Um, that's where we get our sources for translational work is the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Um, if we don't translate, we can't understand what God's word has to say. Cause I don't know about you, Clay. Uh, I don't know Hebrew or Aramaic and the little bit of Greek I know is probably just makes me dangerous. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey Josh, all I need is a blue letter Bible. Right. And then yeah, I'm basically real. a scholar. Isn't that how it works? Yeah. I, or I can just mooch off a pastor Tyler's logos that we got him. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice it to say though, translation is just the idea that, that we want God's word in our, where we can read it, at least in a, either in our language or in a language we can understand. Uh, and translation is important. It's always happened often controversially, mm -hmm. but it's, it's always happened and it's just making God's word accessible to readers. That leads us to number six, which is illumination. Illumination is the teaching that God, the Holy Spirit is bringing the truth of God in the scripture to the light of the heart of the believer. John 16, um, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he'll, he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he, he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. Um, he is teaching us the truth of the scripture, illuminating these things to our hearts John 14, 26 references this. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 13 references this. This is another step there in that process in bibliology. Yeah, and this is that, this goes back to that special revelation you were talking about. This is the Holy Spirit working in your life as you read and study the scriptures to bring, a di like, to, to just enrich it and, and bring it to fruit in your life. That's what illumination means. It's God, it's God the Holy Spirit, either in the center that is reading his word through conviction or to the believer. It is him enlightening you and bringing you along the path towards truth and towards a relationship with God. The only clarification I would make to that is that as the Holy Spirit is revealing truth, he's revealing truth that's already been known and revealed. We would not say that he's out there revealing new truth that isn't that's a fact. Uh, unknown. Yep, because it, it does say in Peter as well that no scripture is of private interpretation. Right. So if you hear somebody saying, I'm the only one that knows this, you're probably hearing heresy. <laughs> yeah. If somebody's digging things out of the scripture that nobody has ever even come close to thinking and they're saying things about scripture that nobody has ever believed ever, you're in very dangerous territory with that person. Just know that if you consider them a, a teacher. Just be advised when someone says, well, the Lord told me. <laughs> yeah, that is not. Just that's, pay attention for that's whatever not historic they say Christian next. Illumination. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which that brings us to interpretation, Josh, uh, this is such an important concept because uh, if illumination gives, is the Holy Spirit giving us understanding, mm -hmm. then interpretation is the Holy, the Holy Spirit helping us apply it. That's right. It could almost think of it this way as illumination is the truth being exposed. Interpretation is stripping it back and like taking it all apart and seeing it and understanding it the way it the way it is it's taking that holy spirit inspired scripture as it's been illuminated to our hearts and understanding it accurately and we do this considering the meaning of the words in the original languages the audience that it was written to the historical setting the context of the passage the literary style these are the basic tools of hermeneutics which we definitely could do a whole episode on it did yeah, a we whole might. <laughs> episode of her on hermeneutics but it's important that when we are in this process of interpretation, we go off of those kind of things, 
the words yeah. in the original languages, et cetera. Because when we do that, what we're doing is we're pointing back to our authority being the scriptures, not right. I read this this morning and I really feel like yeah. this means X, Y, and Z. Yeah. What is, uh, I saw a buddy of mine, Jason Riddle said on, I think it was Facebook. He said, uh, what is, what is the Bible mean before what is the Bible mean for me? Mm-hmm. Or what does the Bible mean to me? What does it mean first? Then what does it mean for me? So start, start with that because we have to be willing to acknowledge our own cultural biases, our own context. We almost have to decontextualize our own mind yeah. and heart so that we can contextualize what the scripture was saying to that audience, what the words in the original languages meant what the original speaker would meant for the original hearers to understand. And then we draw from that the principles that apply to us exactly. today. I like to say sometimes when I preach, we have to remember the Bible is not written to us, but is written for us. We have right. to address who it was written to first before we can ever get to who it's written for. That's great. There in the end. That's a great way of saying it. You mentioned the word hermeneutics, Josh. That's a kind of a big word to put handles on that. That just means how you study the Bible. Mm-hmm. So he talked about principles of hermeneutics and we could do an episode on it. That is, how do you approach different parts of the scripture? How do you approach a text and know that you're not doing it an injustice? Yeah. Uh, this is a, a, a skill that you can develop and get better at. This is one of the reasons why church leadership is so important. They should be skilled in studying and interpreting scripture properly. Yeah. And also giving you the tools to, to do that as to, well. Yeah, yeah. To do something with it. Hey, mm-hmm. this is what the scripture says. What does it mean for you? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and then Clay, that leads us into our, our final point here being sufficiency. Um, we just believe ultimately really because of all of this, that in summary, the scripture is enough period, the end, like that's, that's where this leads us to is the belief that the Bible is, as we would say in another episode, our final authority on all matters of faith and practice. Yep. Yeah, because it's God's word, it is authoritative on every subject on which it speaks. Mm -hmm. And because the Holy Spirit gives us guidance in that truth that's been revealed to us through the scriptures, it's sufficient for everything we need to live a Christian life. And uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 is a popular passage for that reason. It says it's profitable, all scriptures profitable, now, it's all profitable for different things, and it gives you a whole list there, but all Scripture is profitable, and it's sufficient for our Christian life. It says that it, it, it prepares us or, or it furnishes us thoroughly unto all good works, meaning the Scripture contains everything we need to live the life that God wants us to live. That's right. So, Josh, why does it matter? Why is this doctrine so important? Well, Clay, as you said, it, you know, we, we just talked about the sufficiency of scripture, the supremacy of scripture. Um, it's important because it helps us realize we have reliable scriptures. We have the truth of God's word and that brings confidence to our hearts. Yeah, absolutely. And to our Christian faith that we're, uh, we're not building our foundation upon just anything, but on the sure words of God. Yeah. So practically, if you're listening, you're like, what does this mean for my everyday life? Guys, we live in a, in a, in a very uncertain world mm-hmm. where truth itself and the idea that there is an objective truth sometimes even is being questioned and challenged. There's your truth versus my truth, right? We've put personal pronouns on truth. Yeah. And so we're living in a very relativistic, um, subjective world that wants to challenge 
everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be a helpful thing, but sometimes it's not because it it's brought to even God himself and says, who are you mm-hmm. to tell me? In a very uncertain world, you need to know, what is my faith based on? Is it some guy's idea? Is it just a group of people who lived in the first century? And I'm some iteration of that? Right. What are we basing this on? And if, if God's word isn't God's word, if it didn't come from the creator of the universe, then it's not authoritative. And so all these doctrines, they've all been building up to the sufficiency thing. It all comes down to, it matters so much because without it, Without this doctrine and without this list of doctrines, we've kind of gone over quickly. And there, are, if you if you look up bibliology, other people have different lists, right? Oh, and they're we've not a covered, lot more articulate about it than we are, <laughs> and they're better at describing it. So we've not uh, covered everything there is to cover. But what we what we're trying to do is show you these things are important because they build a framework mm-hmm. to describe and to and to help us understand that what we have is from God. Yep, it gives us the confidence to know that. When, you know, you wake up in the morning and make your coffee, sit down and crack your Bible open. You're not just reading a fancy storybook that's really old. You're reading truth. Yeah. The the, truth of the word of God. The transforming, life-giving words of the creator himself. That's amazing. It it also means, Josh, because we have God's word, it means that we have an authority. Mm -hmm. And people today don't often like authority. It's, 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 that's a challenge itself to our authority, to our supremacy is, is, is God's supremacy. Uh, and what that means for the Christian though, is it means it, it really points back to the Lordship of Christ. If I'm living in submission to God, the way that I was designed to live, then knowing that I have truth means that I can go to it for the answers I need. I can go to it for the things that I have to have to live a life that's honoring and pleasing to God. And that gives me an authority. So I don't approach scripture with, do I like it? I don't approach it with, well, let me think about that. I approach scripture with God, what is it that you would like for, what what is it that you want from me? Mm -hmm. What in my life needs to change so that I can be honoring and pleasing to you? And in doing so, live the life of purpose and a life of joy the way that I was intended to. Yep, absolutely. And then it, it, it frees us up, Clay, as you sort of had hinted there at a moment ago, it frees us up from having to look to the changing culture around us, to the... Yes. I mean, how many worldviews could we name? Philosophy, personal feelings. It gives us, like we've been saying, it gives us that sure foundation to build our life upon each and every day. Well, Josh, this has been great, man. Yeah, We talked about bibliology today, what it is and why it's important, why it matters. Yep. And it, I know it's been a lot and it's been fast, but uh, I hope it's been a help. I hope you've been uh, able to hear this, maybe even jot some note, notes down, unless you're driving, don't do that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope it's been beneficial and I hope it's increased your appreciation for the Bible that we have. And there's a lot of resources out there on a lot of these things we oh, yeah. talked about today that it really could be a rabbit hole for you. If you're interested in it, there's a lot of good information out there about these topics. Uh, what we're really excited about is as a way of exploring one of these topics a little bit more, next episode, we are going to talk about Bible translations. Josh... <gasps> Josh, we have gotten so many questions. It might be the most asked question we get is about the topic of Bible translation. It's either the most or the second most. Yeah. So we're excited to be covering this for you guys and we look forward to it. Yep. It's going to be fun. Put your seatbelt on. No, I'm just kidding. It's not going to be crazy. We're going to, we hope to present a pretty balanced view and 
basically an overview really yeah. of the translational issue. Yeah, Josh. And I hope that when people get done listening to this, this episode, maybe you'll open your Bible or you'll open that app on your phone and start your reading plan for the day. And you'll start reading those words just a little bit more grateful than you were yesterday, a little more appreciative, a little more understanding of how important it is that we have the words of God. Well, Clay, there it is. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you consume the content. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Baptist Pod. Check out our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com, for more resource recommendations, our merch store, and to join our YBP community.